warm word of welcome to you as we come to meet together here at Hebron and worship the Lord. As we do so, let's sing together the hymn 54. Great God of wonders, all thy ways are worthy of thyself divine, but the fair glories of thy grace beyond thine other wonders shine. Stand to sing. Let's have our psalm for today, Psalm 36. Just 12 verses, we'll read the whole psalm. The transgression of the wicked saith within my heart, 
that there is no fear of God before his eyes. For he flattereth himself in his own eyes until his iniquity be found to be hateful. The words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit. He hath left off to be wise and to do good. He deviseth mischief upon his bed. He setteth himself in a way that is not good. He abhorreth not evil. Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. Thy righteousness is like the great mountains. Thy judgments are a great deep. O Lord, thou preservest man and beast. How excellent is thy loving kindness, O God! Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. They shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house, and thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasures. For with thee is the fountain of life. In thy light shall we see light. O continue thy loving kindness unto them that know thee, and thy righteousness to the upright in heart. Let not the foot of pride come against me, and let not the hand of the wicked remove me. There are the workers of iniquity fallen. They are cast down and shall not be able to rise. May God bless his word for the Savior's sake. We're coming, of course, to a new term <coughs> as we begin our September month and leave the summer now behind. And as usual, the sun has come out and the weather is good for the children going back to school. Well, we want to particularly remember Sunday school and Bible class that recommenced this morning. Family night tonight, the gospel mission coming up now very soon. This incoming week is the preparation week. Next Lord's Day begins the mission. Hebron Tots also begins tomorrow morning. And then our Christian school, we want to remember the school and sunbeams. And we have a, a request and appeal about sunbeams later on in the service. The schools ministry, schools are opening up some new schools this term. We're thankful to the Lord for that. And week by week, we will let you know where we are so you can pray for us. Remember Vika, as she travels to Ukraine, uh, she's still on the journey. Left on Friday, traveled to Dublin, got a flight to Poland, and has been bit by bit making her way. And I think she's now on a train that is taking her the rest of the journey and that train journey from Poland to her destination is something like 18 hours. So please remember her. Our thoughts are very much with Johnny and Claire Jordan and their family. As you know, earlier this week, their little one died very tragically, just nine or ten months old. And we want to remember Johnny. He's going into his final year at the Whitfield College of the Bible studying for the ministry and our brother and sister from our Macrofelt congregation. The funeral of that little one is tomorrow morning. Remember Peter in hospital. Dorothy has been taken back into hospital, and we're thinking much of Joanne Peden as well in these days. So let's seek the Lord together. This was Sunday school this morning, just to let you know many of our children gathered out for day one, and we're so thankful to see them back again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the worthy name of the dear Son of God, the beloved Savior, the man of thy right hand, 
the one who was seated in heaven at the right hand of the Lord, a prince and a savior forever, we come into the presence of God. We come as always with reverence and humility. We recognize the greatness of our God, the infiniteness of his being, God who is eternal, infinite, and unchangeable. We come rejoicing in the mercy of the Lord that meets with us even now for your grace, your loving kindness towards us. We know that thou art a righteous God, a God of justice and a God of truth. But Lord, we thank you for the mercy that we have in Christ today and for the salvation that has reached so many an individual gathered here in this church building. There was a day when we were without Christ, without God, and without hope. A day that we were strangers to your grace. And we were going down the broad road that leads to destruction. But there was that moment in the experience of the true people of God, a moment of conversion, a moment of transformation, when the new birth took place, when we were born of the Spirit, washed in the blood, as we called upon the name of our God for salvation, and the Holy Spirit entered, and we were born of God. Thank thee, Lord, that you brought us into the narrow way that leads to heaven and life, and we're going there to heaven, to the place prepared for the people of God. It is our longing even at this time when special meetings like family night are organized and a mission in Dalriata School, that there will, will be others who will join us, that they will come to the mission, that they will hear the gospel, and that they will be saved. And Lord, for those in this meeting today, likewise, who are without Christ, we pray for them, that they will come to a knowledge of the truth, that hearts will be opened, understanding will be given, they'll feel the burden of sin, and flee to Christ, the only refuge for sinners. We pray that salvation will come to this house this very day. Thank thee for the return of the Sunday school and the Bible class this morning. So many children and young people gathered out. We pray that you'll bless this ministry among the upcoming generation and that we will see our children knowing the Lord, loving the Lord, walking with God in a very difficult day for them. Pray for family night tonight that you'll remember Sandra as she comes to give a personal word of testimony, gather the people in. Many have been invited. Many have seen the advert. Lord, we look to Thee to, to bring people in under the sound of the Word. And as we have our preparation week, Lord, deal with us as the people of God, even before the mission. And when the mission comes, may we truly be able to say, come for all things are now ready. We pray a blessing upon this special effort in the gospel that the Lord will visit with us every single night of the mission and pour out His Spirit. Remember the TOTS group that began again tomorrow. Remember the school that has started back on Friday and the sunbeams as well. Remember our sister Vika as she travels to Ukraine with her children. Lord, we know she's going back to difficult circumstances, but thou art her God and her Savior. And we pray that thou will protect her and keep her and her family. And Lord, remember especially Johnny and Claire in this time of great grief and sorrow. The ways of God, your word tells us, are past finding out. 
There are many providential dealings in this world that we fail to understand, and we can't, with our human mind, translate them, but we are confident as your people to rest upon the foundation of our faith, knowing that God is sovereign, knowing that God does all things well, knowing that He is in control, and even in the darkest and the most difficult times of life, all things are still working together for our good. We pray for Peter and Dorothy and Joanne. You know their needs physically. Be with them, Lord, and touch them and strengthen them. We're glad that our brother John is back with us after his surgery and these days of recovery. Continue to be with him and bring healing to his body. Raise him up for the glory of God. Lord, all these things we bring before the presence of our God today, knowing that we come to a God whose ear is inclined to his people, who listens to us as we pray. Lord, hear this, our prayers today for Jesus' sake. Amen. A lovely hymn written by Charles Wesley, Jesus, lover of my soul, let me to thy bosom fly, while the nearer waters roll, while the tempest still is high. It's a lovely hymn. Let's sing about it. Let's express ourselves to the Lord today who has loved us, given himself for us. Let's sing it with joy in our hearts. Standing to sing.
to see you all as you come here to worship the Lord together. May God bless us in his house today. If you're joining us on the internet, we're glad to have you. May you be blessed where you are at home. We have a couple of items of literature that I want to mention just now that's available. First of all, the Vision magazine. This is the monthly Vision magazine. It's available as you leave. Please take a copy. There's a copy free to every home. And then there's the Let the Bible Speak. And it's the 50th anniversary year of the Let the Bible Speak. In fact, in the month of September, there's an anniversary dinner. Uh, some of you may be going to that. It's during our mission, unfortunately. But if you want to know the details, if you see Jonathan, who is a member of the committee of Let the Bible Speak, he can give you all the details. But the Spirit-filled church is the title of this edition. And again, there's a copy per family. Please take one with you. Now, tonight is a special night. Once a month, we have family night and friends night. And Sandra Marshall is coming to give a personal word of testimony. We also want to incorporate our brother Greg as he returns to his final year at the Whitfield College of the Bible to study. And Greg will set before us some prayer requests during the service tonight. And then there'll be a retiring offering for him to support him through these Bible college days this final year. But pray for our sister as she comes to testify. As you know, uh, she lost a young son uh, in her family. It was a tragic accident. We remember it well, coming home from one of the youth meetings. And he was involved in a serious accident that took his life. And Sandra, her husband and family, came through a very dark period of providence. But the Lord brought them through. And she's going to talk to us tonight about that. Refreshments will be served. And family night, ladies, we do ask you, if you can, bring half a loaf of sandwiches and a dozen buns. <coughs> Tomorrow morning, the Hebron Tots group, Hebron Tots group recommences at 10 o'clock. And we want you to pray for this ministry. It's a, it's a outreach. Uh, ministry, really. It's not just for the encouragement of our own mothers and little ones, but we're reaching out, seeking to bring other people in, and we're thankful to the Lord for those He brings. And in times past, this has led on to other things, and eventually led on to the conversion of some of these parents who have come. So remember it, please, in prayer. This incoming week is preparation week for the mission. So Monday and Tuesday night, we want to meet here at the church at 7. All of God's people were inviting your attention just now. We're reaching out to our town. This is our annual mission. It's such an important time. I'll maybe say something at the end as the Lord directs us, but we're asking you to come to the two nights of leaflet drops, getting the, the town covered and people made aware that the mission is taking place. Then we need to pray. It's important to invite, but we need to bathe the invitations in prayer and the gospel preaching in prayer Monday, or sorry, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, each night at 8 o'clock. We're coming here to seek the Lord solely on behalf of the mission as we prepare our hearts in the presence of God. I have a special appeal on behalf of our sunbeams, and that is for workers Commencing tomorrow, I think there's about 12 children, at least 12, and by the time we reach Christmas, there'll be 20 children, and we, we need workers, volunteers that'll come in, even 
as the announcement says, if you can do two days a month, then Julie will be able to get a rota made out and a slot you in. But if you feel exercised about this, uh, especially if you have any experience with children, um, please see our sister Julie McTenahan. It can be demanding working with little ones of that age, but it can also be a great blessing. On Saturday morning, our open air will take place. We postponed it to this Saturday. That's 11 o'clock in the center of the town. Saturday evening, there's a special uh, baptism service taking place here. Uh, two of the Ukrainian ladies, young ladies, uh, Anita and Anastasia, have come to the Lord and they have proved themselves. They've come through some classes with the pastor and they're ready for public baptism. And so you're invited as well and they will be using the facilities here. Originally, they were going to go to the Atlantic Ocean, but it's very, very cold. Even in the warmest day, it can be very cold. So uh, they will be using our facilities on Saturday night. Next Lord's Day, the prayer meeting, 8 o'clock. The Sunday school that is recommenced, 10.30. The Bible class at a quarter to 11. And Phil is dealing with the overall subject this month, what every Christian should know. And this morning, he dealt with what every Christian should know about church membership. Very important subject. And uh, we'll be expecting now people signing up, Phil, after hearing from the Lord and from his word, how important it is to affiliate yourself with the church and join the church as the scripture teaches. And next Lord's Day, he is dealing with the Lord's table. What you need to know about the Lord's table. It's a command from Christ, and I'm sure it will be dealt with very, very adequately. The worship service is 12 noon. I'll be here to preach, but my sermon will be very short because there's another very important thing taking place next Lord's Day morning. And because we are broadcasting, we will have the service as normal, but we will finish the public broadcasting of the service early uh, because we have coming to our service a Hindu who will give his personal testimony I am not at this moment able to mention his name, but this congregation knows him because he's a member of our church, and he will be giving his testimony next Sabbath day. But we'll be going offline for a number of reasons, and we can explain that to you better next Lord's Day. Gospel mission then commences in the evening of the Sabbath day. We move from this church over to Dalriada Grammar School. And we will be gathering the people of God for prayer half an hour before all the services. So next Sunday night at 6.30, and then thereafter it will be at 7.30 because the meetings are at 8. The meetings will be from the 10th to the 24th, God willing. On the Sunday night, 7 o'clock, our usual regular time here, and during the week, Monday to Friday at 8 o'clock. We were able to visit the school, meet with the principal, and also with the coordinator there who looks after these kind of events, and uh, visit the John Armstrong Hall where the meetings will take place, and I was able just to get a quick photograph of that. So we look to the Lord to bring the people in. We look to you to do your part as well. We're keeping this live before you because we want you to be in prayer for Courtney Harris as he comes to give his personal testimony on the 15th of October 
Jewish boy, born in Germany, escaped the Holocaust, brought to the United Kingdom on kinder transport, 10,000 children brought to this land, uh, to this nation, and uh, the rest, well, he grew up, got converted at 15, became a pastor for over 60 years, and he's got a testimony to give. We also want to mention on the 30th of September at 7 o'clock, there's a special rally against RSE. You will know what the government are seeking to introduce to schools, and the speaker will be our brother Callum Webster from the Christian Institute. And everyone is welcome. This will be in the Martyrs. It's on a Saturday, which should suit most people. And it's the 30th. Won't you put that in your diary? Seven o'clock that night, everyone is welcome. We're asking you to pray for Vika and her children. They're returning to Ukraine, having been with us 16 months. They lived in her home for a time, and then they, they got accommodation elsewhere in the town. And this was Thursday night as we bid farewell to the family, said goodbye to them as a congregation, just some of her people at the door, uh, saying good night and goodbye for the last time, at least for this season. And as we heard at our opening prayer, our sister is still traveling. On Friday, we did go up to the home just to, to be there. Uh, there was a few that gathered to say goodbye uh, to our sister and her children. I want to thank very sincerely those who helped last night at the barbecue. Um, it was a very successful evening. We had the alpaca. I think I said in the video this morning, the alpaca, but um, probably most of you didn't realize that. But anyhow, that, that was a great uh, event, and the children and the adults enjoyed uh, seeing these animals, very, very friendly animals. I'll just show you a few of the shots that uh, Samuel took last night. The, the facial expression just expresses it all. And I think the older people enjoyed uh, meeting this, uh, these animals. And when we had our burgers, I asked, did everybody enjoy the alpaca burgers? But they were really beef burgers, all right, just in case anybody is feeling uh, queasy about it. And the, these activities were laid on for the children last evening. And we're thankful for all the organization that went into this to make it such a successful night with the children and the adults. You see that there? Can you see that there? And I were, I don't know, he's getting very friendly with Peppa Pig, I think, there. Just, that's, that's, that's what that looks like anyhow. But I know, I, I think he was probably supervising younger children. I want to thank those that did the cooking, served the meal. Um, very, very much appreciated. It's lovely to see the babies, the very young babies there last night. Uh, including David V, who's doing much better. We're thankful for that. And uh, then we went in to the church here for a time of singing together before going home. And it was Tracy's birthday yesterday too, so that was an important moment. <coughs> so you pray for the children now and even the parents that were there last night and heard the word. For those that contributed to the shoes, remember the shoes that were sent out, uh, we showed this on Thursday night, these are now being distributed to the children in Romania, and we thank you in the Lord's name. 
There's a little girl that we asked for prayer, um, Maruna, and she was transported last Monday to the hospital in Timishwara, little Romanian child, little Roma child, and she had pneumonia. She got treatment for that, but she also has um, lumps in the back of her neck in, inwardly, um, lymph nodes, I think we call them, that need to be surgically removed, and that will take place tomorrow. So remember, um, Maruna, in prayer that the Lord will be with her. She's just a little girl of 10, and uh, she spent nearly a full week now in hospital. Please continue to pray for all the sick of the congregation, especially those that are in hospital, and remember the situation in the land of Ukraine. It's still very volatile and very dangerous to be there. We receive our offerings now for the work of God and let the Bible speak envelopes and missionary covenant support is due today, being the first Lord's Day of the month. Let's sing 617. As you turn to the place, we have some of the gospel mission leaflets at the door. We will be distributing them tomorrow night and Tuesday night, but you will undoubtedly want to give them to your family and to your friends, so take a supply as you desire. All things are possible to him. We'll keep our seats as we sing.
sing just the final verse, verse 5. Let's open our Bibles to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, to the same passage of Scripture that we were in the last time. Only we're going to read a little bit more and come to the second part of the passage that we will read. But it's all in the background of what is happening from verse 17. And I'm continuing with this chapter because it is very suited to our Gospel mission as we think today on the subject, the omnipotence of God in salvation. Let's read from verse 17 through to verse 27. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these things have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, Sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked round about, and saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answereth again, and saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Just as we were singing, now we're reading, and it is the word of the living God, indeed it's the words of Christ. Keep it in mind, all things are possible with God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray your blessing upon the message now as we come to your precious word Make it live in our hearts. Apply it to our souls. Do us good. We have the mission. We have the preparation week. We have so much going on, so much that needs to be done. 
so much of the Lord's help that we need. And as we do it all, we do it for your name's sake, we do it for your glory, we do it because we know that we're coming to a God who is omnipotent and powerful and sovereign, even in this great matter of salvation. Lord, work your works. Be pleased to do that during our mission. And may God be glorified. And may Christ have the preeminence in whose name we pray. Amen. One of the saddest stories that we read in the entire Bible is the one that we've just read, the story of the rich young ruler. A young man is seeking for the most important thing that anyone can seek after in life. He wants salvation, eternal life, a place in heaven. No doubt this was a rare thing for such a young man to be seeking after spiritual things. But here he is, and by all accounts, he's young, he's healthy, he's energetic, he's rich, he's respectable, he's outwardly moral, he's mannerable. We would say that he is a fine, upright, respected member of the community. And all life was before him potentially. All life was going for him, and all life was there to enjoy. But he was troubled about his soul. And so what does he do? He comes to Christ with his burden and desire. That's the right thing to do. And really what he's saying to Jesus is, how can I get to heaven? How can I become a possessor of everlasting life? There's nothing more important than this. Let me just remind all of you, whoever you are, wherever you're from, whatever background you come from, there's nothing that is more important than seeking after eternal life. Many young people do not think about their souls at all. Many healthy people do not consider the, the afterlife. Many rich people have no concern about heaven. Many, even religious people, are never troubled about what is truth. But this man was, and he comes to Christ. And you have to admit the story begins so well. And this is what we want to see, isn't it? In all of our young people growing up here in the church, here in the town of Balamani, in our Bible class, in our youth fellowship, at the Youth Challenge. We want to see our young people like this young man seeking after the Lord. This man came running, as we, as we said the last time. He came kneeling. He came seeking. And the sight must have been most wonderful to see this happen. And he started off right. There was great potential. We'd have to say he's halfway. He's halfway coming to Christ, running to his presence, kneeling before him, desiring everlasting life. If we could only get our young people to think that way, if we could only see this happening today, young people running to the Lord, running to Christ, making haste to the gospel services, re pre rushing to the, the preacher to inquire after eternal life. Perhaps it's worthwhile pointing out that he came publicly. He was not ashamed as he came. Before all the others, before the multitude, he came publicly to Christ. And he was not like Nicodemus who sought the private audience with the Savior in John chapter 3, who came secretly. This man comes for all to see. 
It's also noteworthy what we read in verse 21, the opening line, then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. I think we can say Jesus Christ was pleased with this young man's inquiry. He was pleased that the young man was living outwardly a good life, a moral life. And we have to say that Christ is still pleased when he sees young people seeking for heaven. And he loves for young people to inquire after him and life. Now, the Lord doesn't ask every man who was rich to give up his riches. We know that. In the Bible, we read about rich men, and God has had rich men through the centuries of time. And God doesn't ask every sportsman to give up his sport either. And he doesn't ask every businessman to give up his business. These things in and of themselves are not sinful things, and we have Christians in every walk of life because that's what we are. We are the salt and we are the light of the world in this community where we live, where we work. Christians who are wealthy are the salt and the light of the earth. Christians who are sporty, where they are and the people they mix with, they are the salt and the light of the earth, and men of industry likewise. However, the Lord does ask the sinner to seek him first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He does ask the sinner to give him his heart, to love him more than anything else. And on this occasion, he looked into the heart of this young man and he saw a great problem. There was a great hindrance here, a great obstacle. What did he see? He saw his covetousness. He saw his worldly desires and his chief ambition. And he knew that money was his God. That was his first priority. That was his chief concern. Money meant more to him than anything else in the world. And so the Lord puts him to the test. He throws out a challenge, if you like, to him and that's what we go on to read in verse 21. He said to him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. And the response of the young man, we read immediately in verse 22, he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Now the whole affair provokes the Savior to make a statement about the peril of riches. And he does that in the next verse, verse 23. As he looks about, he says to the disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? Riches, like so many other things, often can be a hindrance to salvation. It often stands in the way. You know, that's been so from the beginning of days. I think of the, the Israelites as they leave Egypt, they go now towards the promised land. The law is being reiterated to them again, and God is promising them blessing as they would go into the promised land and inherit that land. And he sets before them warnings and 
laws and commandments in the book of Deuteronomy. But let me read to you what we have in chapter 8, verse 13. When thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied. So this was going to happen. The Israelites were going to be blessed. Some of them would get rich with silver, gold, and, and farm life, the, the livestock. Look at what it says in verse 14. Then thine heart shall be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. In other words, when you get wealthy, you, here's a tendency, you'll forget about God, the one that delivered you, the one that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And we have a similar warning given to us in the New Testament. It's in Second, First Timothy, and the chapter 6 and verse 9. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Men that will be, that desire, that covet after, and they make it their God so often, and we've seen it. We've seen it locally. We've seen it nationally. We've seen it through the world. And you can read about it and how wealth has ruined individuals. They fall into many foolish and hurtful lusts, and it ends up in destruction and perdition forevermore. Now, the record in Mark chapter 10 tells us that Christ's statement caused the disciples to be absolutely amazed. Look at verse 24. The disciples were astonished at his words. So the Savior reinforced his statement. Look at the same verse. Children, how hard it is for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And look at the reaction of the disciples. They are even more bewildered because in verse 26, they were astonished out of measure. Beyond measure is what the word means here. And that led to the question then in the same verse, who then can be saved? And Christ gave the answer in the next verse, with men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Now we look out into society, out into the world, and maybe even that little bit nearer, the little part of the world that's close to us, our families, and our friendship circles, and the people that we know. And so many of them are so worldly, and they are so hardened in their sin, and they're so absorbed in what they're doing every day, and they're so, so sinful. And on the other end of the scale, some of them so religious, and they refuse to come to Christ. We wonder about dear friends who attend these services, Sunday morning, Sunday night, other times too. Could they ever be saved? We wonder that, don't we? Well, let the words of Christ sink into our heart, and let these words bring us encouragement and confidence, even coming up to the mission time. Where are we despair? 
over certain loved ones and friends and people out there in general that are so far away from God, we wonder, could they ever be saved? And maybe even think they could never be saved. Let the words of Christ penetrate our heart today. I want you to consider, first of all, the understandable inquiry. And is there at the end of verse 26, who then can be saved? Asked the disciples. The disciples have just watched a young man walking away from the presence of Christ without receiving salvation. In fact, he refused to part with that which was nearest to him, and he rejected the way of eternal life. He wasn't the first person to to react in such a fashion. There were those for various reasons who, who went away from Christ and his redemption. They came to where he was. They attended his congregations. They listened to his sermons. They were even moved by his teachings. And no doubt they were affected by what they heard. But alas, they walked away. Jesus said over and over again, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. I am come at the bite of life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. He that believeth in me shall have everlasting life. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. But though some came and some believed and they were saved, often, often, more than often, we have to say, his audience departed, ignoring what Jesus said. They departed shunning the gospel. They departed rejecting him. The young man in question was not just one in the crowd on those days when Jesus preached to the multitudes. He himself made his way to Christ with that urgent business upon his soul. And remember, he came running. He came kneeling. He came seeking. He wanted to know how he could obtain eternal life. I speak to people who who were willing enough to listen to what we have to say And they show manners when it comes to even the gospel. And they are polite. And they show some interest in spiritual things. But you know, I try or I spend most of my time trying to persuade them about the truth. They are sinners. They're condemned in the sight of God. They're they're lost. They're walking down the road to destruction. And they will die in their sin unless they get to Christ. But this young man was already convinced of many things. He wasn't like those that we have to plead with and we have to convince and persuade. This young man believed in God. This young man tried to live a good life. This young man possessed eagerness in his heart for spiritual things. The fact that he came running shows that. He showed a great respect for Christ because he kneeled before him. He called him good master, speaking to him very respectfully. He desired eternal life. And he was so close. He he wanted to be saved. He wanted to go to heaven. But he went away with all that knowledge, with all that desire, wanting to get right with God. He went away grieved. He walked off from the presence of Christ without that which he had come for. 
and he walked off lost, undone, condemned, and on his way to hell. And the disciples are absolutely amazed. They're astonished. They, they couldn't take it in. The young man came from a religious background. He was a ruler. The word ruler in the Greek here generally refers to one who had administrative authority. It was used of various Jewish leaders, including those who had charge in the synagogue and members of the Sanhedrin. So undoubtedly, he was religiously inclined. He had a knowledge of the Scriptures. He knew about the Messiah. He knew about the afterlife. He was a person of quality. And here he showed such an interest in eternal life. But he didn't get saved. He walks away. Most religious leaders who asked Jesus publicly questions were, were trying to trick the Lord into some kind of improper reaction or statement. The Pharisee, for example, in Luke chapter 6, he asked, why do ye that which is not lawful to do on the Sabbath day? As he was just trying to trick the Lord. The chief priests and the scribes in Luke chapter 22, when they asked, is it lawful for us to give tribute unto Caesar or no, they were trying to get him out on a political situation there. The scribes and the Pharisees who brought the adulterous woman to Christ in John chapter 8, they said, now Moses in the law commanded us that she should be stoned. But what sayest thou? What do you say, Lord? They weren't concerned about, about this woman or, or the man either who they didn't bring. They were just trying to trick the Lord. But the young ruler, his question was not a trick question. He was sincere. He was earnest. He wanted to know the way of eternal life. And yet he walked away from the Lord. And the Lord spoke about the snare of riches and how difficult it was for wealthy men to be saved. And so you can understand, can't you, these disciples asking, well, well Lord, who can be saved? Who can be saved? If we see one that was so interested, so moved, we have to say, so desirous, so religious, so anxious about his soul and eternal life, walking away from the presence of the Lord. We might well ask the same question today, well, Lord, who then can be saved? Because we see men and women coming so close, attending so faithfully the means of grace, coming to our church on a Sunday morning, some of them even coming back on a Sunday night. Their loyalty to God's house is to be commended. Often they will engage in spiritual conversation. Inquiries have even been made about salvation, and they seem to be so near to the Lord. In fact, it can be said of them, as it was said of another religious man, a scribe in Mark 12, thou art not far from the kingdom of God. There we have another prime example of what I'm talking about here, one that comes so close, one who listens so well, one who answers so intelligently, and as the Bible says, discreetly. But coming near is not enough. They will never save your soul. Judas Iscariot kissed the very gates of heaven, and he went to hell forever. Sinners need to press into the kingdom of God. When we see individuals who have great promise, who attend services, who come to missions like we have, discuss spiritual things, come near to Christ, 
and yet they walk away as they do, we might well ask the question, who can be saved? If those we expect to be saved because of the good steps that they take towards Christ refuse redemption and they leave without the Lord, what does that say about those who evidently by the life that they live and their practice are far away from God, like the prodigal who had wandered from the father's house, the drunkard, the adulterer, the the blasphemer, the drug addict, the atheist, the pleasure seeker, the worldly man, those that are caught up in false religion. How could they ever be saved? How could they ever be brought to the knowledge of the truth if they're religiously inclined and those who seek after Christ walk away and turn their backs upon God and upon heaven. And my friends, I want you to see quickly the unmistakable impossibility. Verse 27, Jesus looking upon them saith, with men it's impossible. Who can be saved? With men it's impossible. Listen to the Savior as he counseled his disciples of old. Salvation and heaven is impossible, absolutely impossible for any man. There is no man on earth, religious or not, who can attain unto the salvation of God. Doesn't matter if he's a churchgoer. Doesn't matter if he's a reader of the Bible. It doesn't matter if he's faithful in his attendance at the means of grace coming, coming often to sit in church or one that's inclined to spiritual things, or even inquires after God, or even if he's a down-and-out sinner, far from the kingdom of God and steeped in sin, he cannot very simply attain the salvation of God. He cannot go to heaven. doesn't matter if he's a wealthy man, as this young man was who came to Christ, or a poor man who's down-and-out. Going to heaven is impossible by any individual skill of their own. Eternal life, you see, is the free gift of God to those that believe. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. A man can be at both services in the Lord's day, but that will mean nothing as far as his soul's salvation is concerned. He can show an interest in divine truth, but that will never save his soul. He can have positions in the church just like this young man in the narrative. But that will bestow no divine favor upon him as far as eternal life is concerned. He can know the Bible. He can pray to God. He can be generous in his giving. But these things mean nothing as far as meriting the salvation of God. He can be a good neighbor, well-respected in the community, be upright as far as a citizen of the country is concerned, and admired by people in many ways. But what profit is there if he takes not Christ as a Savior? None. The Bible makes it clear, for by grace are you saved through faith. Not not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. There's nothing that we can do to inherit eternal life. And that was the fault of the rich young ruler. He thought that a man had to do something. What shall I do, he said. The whole world of humanity lies under sin. Not one has the capacity of doing anything. 
to bring salvation to the soul. And that brings me to my final point, the unspeakable reality. Look at it, please, in verse 27. No, it's impossible with men, Jesus says, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. We despair not for any man when we read a gospel truth like this one. All things. Get it into your heart. He's a God of omnipotent power. He's all-powerful to save, to save to the uttermost all that come. There's nothing too hard for him. I want you to know that. In this church on a Sunday, at the gospel mission that is planned beginning next week, there's nothing too hard for our God. He can break the heart of sinner. The Samaritan woman, deep in sin, far from God, immoral, she's brought to Christ. The religious Nicodemus, the previous chapter, the publican Zacchaeus, the dying thief, the blasphemer Saul of Tarsus, all are monuments to this great truth. Down through the centuries of time, we, we read about remarkable conversions because the vilest of offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. God saves on the basis of the merit of Christ. It's the only way of salvation. Christ made a propitious sacrifice, putting it in the terms of his word, for our sins. That means he turned away the wrath of God by the means of the sacrifice that he made. Whatever difficulty stands in the way to heaven, whether it's riches or hardness of heart or atheism or immorality or false religion, we must not despair. Jesus says, with God all things are possible. The omnipotence of God is a great doctrine. And we do well to get a hold of it and learn it, relearn it again and again. It's so easy to lose sight of the, the greatness of God to let our faith slip and become downhearted and discouraged, especially when, when souls walk away from the Lord. It breaks my heart as I watch them walk away every Lord's day from this house. Go by me, shake my hand, and they leave without the Lord. The psalmist declared, Power belongeth unto God. The patriarch Job was brought to acknowledge, I know that thou canst do everything. And how often have we had to remind ourselves about the one who was able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. And this is so especially in the matter of salvation, which is the greatest miracle of all. Perhaps there was no greater sinner who called himself the chief of sinners that was brought to Christ as an example for us today. A religious fanatic, misguided by blind hatred, he persecuted, imprisoned, and he sought to murder Christians in his day. He gives the account himself in his testimony when he says, I persecuted this way, the way of Christianity, unto death binding and delivering into prison both men and women. He spoke of how he imprisoned and beat Christians. He consented unto the death of Stephen. 
But there came a glorious day in his experience when he was journeying to Damascus on evil business to apprehend and imprison more Christians and I know eventually put them to death when God stepped into his life and saved them. Years after his conversion, as he writes to his young friend and colleague in the ministry, Timothy, speaking of how he had been a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious or injurious, but I obtained mercy, he then wrote about God's wonderful grace, and this is what he said. The grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Do you know what I write there? I write what Jesus is telling us here in Mark chapter 10, with God all things are possible. As we see God step into the life of Saul of Tarsus and made him into one of the greatest preachers and missionaries that this world has ever known. And if God did that for Saul, he can do it for any man. No matter what a person's past has been, and maybe I can just address some of you in this meeting who are not saved, whatever your past has been, the grace of God can reach you. The grace of God can change you. You can obtain mercy, and the Lord can do that for our loved ones as well. Men need to flee to Christ, the only refuge for sinners. He's been to the cross. He's paid the price for our sin. He's opened the gates of heaven and shut the gates of hell. Eternal life is possible, but only by him and him alone. Dear sinners, we close. The way of the cross leads home. Plead to Christ. Plead to Him. He can loose you from your sins and, and He can give you eternal life. Don't walk away. Don't do what this young man did. Don't walk away without Christ. But come to Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there's much to learn in this passage of Scripture. We certainly learn about the greatness and the omnipotence of God in this matter of salvation. We take encouragement coming up to our mission that the Lord is able. He's able to do these things. He's able to save men like Saul of Tarsus. He's able to save women like the woman of Samaria. Lord, we look to Thee for conversions, people that are hard and far away from God. Even people like this man who showed so much interest and yet they're not saved. Don't let them be like him and walk away and maybe walk away forever. Save them by your grace. May this be a special time in the service of Christ for Jesus' sake. Amen. My happy soul rejoices. We'll sing a couple of verses. <clears throat> My happy soul rejoices. The sky is bright above. I'll join the heavenly voices and sing redeeming love. I heard the blessed story of him who died to save. The love of Christ swept o'er me. My all to him I gave. We'll sing verse 3 and verse 4. His gracious words of pardon, and I plunged beneath this fountain. Let's stand to sing. Thank you. 
seated just for a moment. I'm going to make this appeal to God's people just as we leave God's house. I was talking to the, the believers at the early morning prayer meeting this morning and asking the question, what will be the greatest motivation for you to serve the Lord at this mission? What will be the motivation to bring you tomorrow night and Tuesday night to give out these invitations? To come on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday night to, to pray in this house. You know, I made a list early, early this morning before I came to the prayer meeting of reasons that might motivate us. I'm not going to comment on them, but let, let me read you what I jotted down. Duty and responsibility. Knowledge that we are the ambassadors of Christ. The commands of Scripture. The prayers of the saints. You just might be excited by the prayers of somebody sitting beside you in the prayer meeting. The goodness of God. God has been so good to us. The pleas of a pastor, I plead with you. The encouragement of, a, of an elder or a youth leader. The appeals of the Savior himself. The example of others. And I, I trust that the pastor and the leaders of this church are an example in their reach towards the unseen. The reality of hell, the terror of the Lord, the everlastingness of eternity, the judgment day, and our accountability on that day. Laying up treasures in heaven, thoughts of heaven on the reunion day, the remembrance of a dying saint who, who pleaded with you to live for God as, as they left their seat of time, the love of a friend and a family member who's not saved, or maybe even just going with the flow. People are doing it. I'll come to the prayer meeting. Others are going to be there. But some of these things might motivate you. But I want to tell you the greatest motivation that's going to stir your heart and bring you an outreach tomorrow night, Tuesday night, bring you to prayer on the other nights and bring you to the mission and for you to do what you can do for God at this time is the love of Christ. And that's what the apostle wrote when he says, the love of Christ constraineth me. My friends, I'm praying that the love of Christ will constrain us, not so much our love of Christ, and we do love the Lord if we're saved, but his love for us, the love of Christ to me, a poor, guilty, hell-deserving sinner that brought him from glory to the cross at Calvary to take my sins and die for me. That will be the greatest motivation to serve the Lord in this mission time. May it grip our hearts. Heavenly Father, we pray that you will stir our hearts, help us to behold the Lamb of God, help us to go to the cross, help us to watch Jesus suffer and die, help us to see from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did there such love and sorrow meet and thorns compose the richer crown? May that be our motivation. May the love of Christ constrain us. Separate us with your blessing now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.